Hi, I'm Mark Renner. This is Victory Over Sin. Saturday afternoon to you. My name is Mark Rennick. This is Victory Over Sin. And what we attempt to do in the first part of this show is to explain to you what we're doing, who pays for it, and what we're attempting to accomplish. Victory Over Sin is actually funded by an advocacy arm of St. Vincent de Paul of Southwest Idaho. And what we attempt to do to you, for you, the listener, is to educate you on what it's like to be incarcerated here in the state of Idaho, to come out of incarceration here in Idaho, and to blend back into community. We do that in several different ways. One of them certainly is this radio show that we're really proud of, to be very honest with you. We've been doing it for, boy, five and a half years now. Uh, if you go back to the archives of KBXL, or if you go to St. Vincent de Paul's website and look up uh, the radio show and find the archives there, you're going to see a vast array of organizations, individuals who have who do support people coming out of incarceration and work with those individuals as they blend back into our community. We've had uh, governors, we've had senators, we've had people walk directly out of incarceration and come right into the studio. We even had one person who was going right back in, and he was in the studio before. He was returned to custody. So it's a, a good body of work, if you will, if you're attempting to understand the Department of Corrections here in Idaho. We're proud of it. We hope you can also take some time to check it out if possible. Uh, in addition to that, we also do what we call a, a PowerPoint presentation on life after incarceration. It's a 20-minute PowerPoint presentation that we'll be happy to bring to your church, to your group, to your workplace, to your gathering, to your neighborhood. Click if you want. Uh, it's The great thing about this is that it is led by a returning citizen themselves. So they will give the presentation, and then they will be there to answer questions about the Department of Corrections and how they've blended back into community themselves. So those things are available to you and they are options to you. At the end of the show, I'll let you know how to reach out to me if you're interested in any or all of that. We'll be happy to work with you on that. If you've been listening to me over the past couple of years, you know that some of the work we do has greatly expanded. We do all sorts of really good stuff now. We have an office in Boise at 3217 Overland Road, and that's for Anyone coming out of incarceration, we'd love for you to stop by there on your first stop after incarceration. We've got uh, a staff of volunteers and and people who are on staff, uh, paid staff, who actually will talk with you, help you with resources, and direct you in the first couple of days after incarceration. The great thing about those people in that office is that for the majority of them, they have been incarcerated themselves. So they understand the resources, they understand where you've been, and we're happy to help with that. In addition to that, we also have an office in Canyon County. It's located in the Department of, 
uh, the Probation and Parole Department at 3110 Cleveland Boulevard. The hours vary there, but pretty much between 10 and 2, Monday through Friday. If you go in there, you can ask for St. Vincent Paul, and we'll be happy to help you with that. Uh, recently, we've added much, much more involvement in the educate in the employment aspect of the work we do. We've got three staff now who work exclusively with getting employment for people coming out of incarceration. There's all sorts of new apprenticeship programs that we're excited about, and those are things to check out certainly too. Uh, one of the things that I didn't mention, but if you're listening to me in the desert now and you need a ride from incarceration, no one can pick you up. Have your case manager send me an email. And we'll come out and pick you up and then walk you through the first couple of days of that incarceration uh, uh, if you would like for us to. So we're excited about uh, 2023. we got a brand new website. If you go to www.sbdpid.org, you're going to click on reentry. You're going to see some new videos. You're going to see some new uh, situations that we offer. Uh, be happy to go take a look at that. And we're here to support you and help you in that transition in any way, shape we can. I'm excited about the guest we're going to have here because he's going to be talking about a program that we've been funded for to, uh, that we had up and going before COVID, and we're going to talk about that in just a second with him. We'll be right back. Idaho has an incarceration rate of 761 to 100,000 people, including prisons, jails, immigration detention, and juvenile justice facilities, meaning that it locks up a higher percentage of its people than any democracy on earth. Compare that to the United States, 664 people per 100,000, Canada's 104 people per 100,000, and Norway's 54 people per 100,000. What about our parole system? In 2019, Prison Policy Initiative graded each of the 50 states for their parole system. Idaho received a grade of F. How do we change this? We need your involvement, and we need your story. More importantly, you must tell it. Your Christian voice can support the needed change. Reach out to us and get involved. At the end of the show, Mark will share his contact information, or you can call the radio station, KBXL nine for one The Voice, and ask for links to Mark Rank. Okay, we're happy this afternoon to be able to welcome Dave Wesley. He's the program director for Serving USA. We've got him here from California this afternoon. We're happy to have you here. Dave, thank you. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Uh, let's talk a little bit before we get into uh, what Serving USA is and what we're doing. Let's do a little bit about your background. Where are you from and education-wise and all that kind of stuff? Well, I'm originally from Detroit area and lived in Michigan for about the first 25 years of my life. And then in 81, moved to California with work and held a number of different jobs um, in business. Uh, lived in Sacramento, L.A., San Francisco, and back to Sacramento now. Um, and so after that, did some pastoral work. And then I also got involved um, around 2015 uh, working with transition homes that were um, housing people coming out of incarceration and uh, trying to help them you know, get squared away, get their feet on the ground, provide them with resources similar to some of the things that you're doing. And um, then that led to an opportunity to be a program director for uh, Serving USA. It's a different, uh, making that adjustment to working with people coming out of incarceration, was that a conscious choice, something that just came up on your heart? Or what was that, what sparked that uh, interest, I guess would be the question. Because not everybody does it. I Yeah. Yeah. I guess we're all called to different paths in life. And, and uh, what I found is that, you know, I really like to help people who are 
trying to get to some place, you know, and especially if I can be of assistance in some way and point a direction or, you know, do an introduction or provide a, some training or teaching or whatever. Um, I like to help see, I like to help people uh, achieve, you know, help see them achieve. And so, so that's how I was kind of open to that. And then when I worked at the transition home, a part of my responsibility there was to go into Folsom prison and teach life skills class once a week. And I just found that, wow, I really love it here. I really love the connection with the guys and um, talking with them about life and, you know, where they're heading and how they're trying to get there and, and trying to provide some pointers along the way. Because Folsom prison, those of you who don't know, can be a very scary place. I was there for two months uh, way back in 1981 or something like that. And that was a scary experience. So it takes some courage to walk into Folsom and to want to talk to... Prison in California is a little bit different than... I guess. I'm not not an expert in the differences, but I have been there, you know, did go in once a week for about five years there. So I'm familiar with that space. And I would say... One of the things that made it easier, you know, the first time you go into a prison, you feel like, you know, like what's going on and you want to make sure you don't step out of line and all those good things. But um, what I found quickly is that the inmates uh, know that you're there as a volunteer and they know you're trying to help, that you don't have to be there if you don't want to be there. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they tended to be very protective of volunteers and and making sure that, you know, we know where we're going and, you know, we felt safe. And and so it only took like a couple of weeks and, and then I just I looked forward to going. Yeah, you know, I also think too that you're, when you are in prison, you, you get that sense of that somebody is sincere and that somebody is genuine. And mm-hmm. that's a skill that you need to develop to survive in there. Mm-hmm. And so I would argue too that when they see the sincerity and when they see the uh, your dedication, if you will, then they do warm up to you. Would you think that, does that make sense to you? Or? Yeah, I think, you know, when you first come in um, from outside, you know, people are sizing you up in terms of, does this guy really know what he's talking about? Does he right. have credibility? Is he talking down to me? Is he, you know, does he feel like I'm better than they are? You know, um, and so I think, you know, they're measuring you in a good way, you know, mm-hmm. like you would anybody that you come into contact with. And so, yeah, I think over time, you know, they began to trust me and, and I certainly was open to them and you know, would be try to be open in terms of how I might help them and, and not to pretend like I knew it all because I don't, you yeah. know, I, I know what I know and they know what they know. And, and together we learn, you know, where we're going. Right. That's it. Well, that's a, that's fascinating to me to always understand that and how, there's a certain individuals that come in and just gravitate towards an incredible incident and can be helpful. And there are people who are tend to want to say, listen to me and do this kind of stuff. Right. Those guys, and those guys don't last. Yeah. So it's good to see that you've last. So let's talk about serving USA and its origins and kind of where it came from. I know you and I have known each other for a few years now in terms of some programs that we're going to talk about in a second. But serving USA's history is comes from where? Okay. Originally, it was called Serving California, and the way that it got started, I think it was around like 2006, give or take a year, right mm-hmm. around there, and there was a, an individual, um, his name was Wayne Hughes, um, and he had been involved in, um, his dad founded Public Storage, so all mm-hmm. those places, um, and he was involved in 
you know, in a business in, in terms of real commercial real estate and development and things like that. He happened to be invited to a yard event and it was a the prison, program we're going to be prison, talking a prison yard event. a prison yard event and the program that he was there for was one we'll be talking about in a minute which is called TUMI which stands for the Urban Ministry Institute and so he was there and it was a graduation for TUMI students and they were giving their testimonies and talking about you know where their uh, you know how they their life had changed and how they understood their you know God in their life and how they understood um, God's call in their life to make healthy choices and also to give back and to serve their community. And he was so moved by a lot of the testimonies that he thought, wow, this is great, right? And so he inquired, like, where is this Toomey program being taught in California? Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, Prison Fellowship was the uh, deliverer or the, the volunteers that went in and actually uh, um, provided the training, if you will. In, in three different prisons in California. And he had a mind, he says, I'd like to see this in all the prisons in California. And so he founded an organization called Serving California. And primarily it started out with assisting pr- prison fellowship to go into various prisons. And eventually we got into most every prison in California and also then began um, you know, expanding beyond that. Then we started adding a few transition homes because once guys got out, they didn't have a place to land. And so we wanted a place that provided, you know, a safe space, accountability, some services, um, and an encouragement so the guys wouldn't be, you know, channeled to go back to their old neighborhoods and old relationships. Uh, so Serving California, you know, started back then, got into all these different uh, prisons in California, and some, some transition houses were added. And then we also realized there's such a need beyond California. And so um, so Serving USA not only supported Prison Fellowship in providing some of that training, we've provided other organizations, and your organization being one where we're right. hopeful that you'll be able to go into um, the Idaho prison system soon right. to, to do that kind of training. And so we've began supporting organizations outside of California. So our name changed a few years ago to Serving USA. Right. And so that's where we are. And for people following along, if you don't know, Prison Fellowship was the organization that was founded by Chuck Colson. He was a Watergate burglar under uh, Nixon in terms of that's the where the notoriety came from. Chuck Colson wrote lots of different books. was kind of like the poster child for Prison Fellowship uh, before he died. And it's, that program does still go on. But you guys have established your own entity and actually become more and more of a uh, – I guess you would say a vehicle for the Toomey program, correct? Right. Well, we still are great believers in Toomey because we've seen the results. We've seen the testimonies and plus the reduction in recidivism of people who've graduated from the program. Um, so it not only benefits the individuals, but it benefits the community and the society at large. Right. And so those of you listening to us, uh, COVID had put a major cramp in this. And we had had um, the organization that I work with, uh, an IMSI Hope Community Phase 2 had been funded under this, under New Hope Christian Ministries, which is a lot of stuff. But to say what we had been funded to do this seminary from Toomey, and then COVID hit, and it kind of threw everything into the works. I think we'd been going really a month before they shut everything down. So bottom line for you is if you're listening to me on the radio out there now, 
we're looking finally to be opening back up at ISCI. And then as soon as we get ISCI up and running, we'll be doing it at ISCC. So those of you still sending me emails saying when this is going to work, we're getting closer and closer to it. Uh, uh, this week we were out at uh, the yard talking to people, and I think we're closer. Staffing has become an issue, but uh, it does look like that this program will go. So let's talk a little bit about Toomey and what it involves, if you will, as we're going forward. And Toomey will be called, we all have names for it in different entities. In Idaho, it, it will be called IMSI Hope Community Phase 3. And so you'll see that on the posters if you're out there in the um, in the uh, institutions and wanting to sign up. So look for that in the future. But let's talk about that curriculum that we will do under that banner will be to me. So mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about to me and what that involves for someone who's listening to us right now. Right. Um, well, to me is a curriculum that was developed by an organization called world impact. And they were recognizing that there was a great need for um, people trained in the ministry um, in urban environments. And so they developed this curriculum and it's 16 modules and you don't have to take them in a particular order. So guys who are in one prison yard moving to another can sometimes, you know, plug into it at a different time, different module number um, and still be just fine. But the idea is that it's like getting your uh, Bible and theology curriculum, a bachelor's level Bible and theology curriculum. So, but, and there's a couple of universities that I don't know their names off the top of my head, so don't ask, okay. <laughs> um, that provide up to like 30 credit hours toward a bachelor's in Bible and theology um, if you've graduated from Toomey. So it's that level. It's like, um, it doesn't teach Greek and Hebrew, but it's all of the other um, courses that you might get in a bachelor's program for Bible and theology around like the mission of the church, Old and New Testament, you know, the, kind of the full range of. You yeah. know. I know when we were setting it up a couple of years ago, several of us went out to uh, Snake River, which has the program in Ontario, and we went through a couple of the classes. And I know it is intense and it was it's a real classroom setting and it's a challenge. And I think uh, it will be a benefit for those who are looking to get some more other than just, you know, historically you get these, you get a test in the mail and you read this and you fill out the test and you send it back in. This will be much more in depth and much more rewarding for the person who enrolls in this. Right. Right. Yeah, it will. And I'd like to make it maybe a couple of distinctions of what it's not right. as well. So it's not simply a Bible study. Right. Um, Bible studies are great, you know, love them. But it's a difference between going uh, to a Bible study for 13 weeks, you know, on the book of Hebrews or something versus going to three and a half year curriculum uh, that's more college oriented. But it's done in such a way as that even if you're still working on your GED, don't feel like you're not qualified to be in the class. That that will not be a barrier because of the way the curriculum has been developed and and is shared. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not, and you don't have to be a pastor on the other end of the spectrum. It's not a Bible study, and you're not necessarily studying to be a pastor when you get out. It's um, urban ministry. Uh, so the idea is that there are many ways to serve in ministry. You could be you know, a volunteer leader at your church. Um, you could work on, you know, outreach, or you could work on evangelism or whatever at your local church or in some other parachurch organization, you know, and have a role there. You would be equipped 
Right. You know. And the, the great thing about it is because uh, Serving USA is supporting this, there is no cost involved. So as we get people to sign up and to become involved, there will be no cost to you to be involved in this program. It'll be a total benefit to you. So that's, that's, right. one, that's one of the absolute great things about this program. Um, so you had a chance to, this week, to go out and see uh, Idaho's correctional system. We saw the chapel at ISCI. Mm-hmm. You've been in Folsom. You've been in other prisons in uh, the California system. What did you think of the Idaho system? I mean, I'm not quite sure how to give a review on a prison, but (laughs) I would just say, you know, it was, uh, you know, the people that I met with, you know, were very friendly and warm and helpful. Um, And so, you know, I felt very, you know, relaxed and accepted, you know, there. Um, It looked like a good prison. Yeah, you know, (laughs) I think the thing that struck me, because I had not been to um, the chapel at ISCI for several years now because of COVID, it was almost... Those of you who are listening to me or on parole, who you know what the chapel's like, that was uh, the centerpiece. It was going all the time. There was It was always intense. There were groups going on in all the extra rooms. There were people walking around. There were people in the library. There were people in the sanctuary. They were singing. They were doing all sorts of stuff. It was it was almost eerily, eerily quiet there. Mm-hmm. It was so quiet. And it's like the building hadn't been opened up in a long time. And so it needs life, and that's, I think, something that uh, we— I think the state of Idaho, I, I, the Department of Corrections recognizes that it needs to go, and um, this is, hopefully we're getting close to doing it again. It was almost sad to see it, I guess, would be the feeling I had as we walked through the chapel. Yeah, it feels like it's starting to try to get energy again. Yeah. Um, a comment I made to one of the men we were talking to is that, you know, sometimes an object at rest tends to stay at rest, and yeah. an object in motion tends to stay in motion. And so when things came to a halt during covid it takes energy and it takes, you know, determination to get things moving again. And I think that's where we are. Yeah. And it was, um, um, and I was happy that you got to see that too, because here I've been trying to describe to Dave and to the people who fund us that, gosh, you know, we're trying our best, but you actually really saw it. And it was sort of a sad situation. Everybody out in that institution certainly wants that, needs that. And I think they would benefit from having that as an option for them, but it just hasn't happened. And so, it um, it's hopefully something that we can make the rocks kind of start moving. Yeah, I think, uh, and you're not unique in that. I would say, as my observations in talking to other organizations across the country, is that they've all had to deal with this in you know the post COVID you know time period we we're in now. Is that things did come to an end, and it took a while to get restarted and get volunteers back in, you know, and overcome staff shortages and all kinds of challenges that that we face, but. We're determined, right? And yeah, we want, absolutely. We want a different future. I know when we were starting this uh, three and four years ago, it seemed like uh, I was in San Diego. Um, I went to some of those transition homes that were funded by Serving USA. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, one or two maybe stories that you have seen where people have experienced being a part of this and then coming back out into the community and kind of seeing the life change. Is there something like that that you can think of off the top of your head? Yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of times when guys come out uh, and gals too, and they're trying to find their footing, right? And sometimes they come out and they're very eager, and and it's hard to be patient for the opportunities to come. And um, but so many of the people that I've talked to, I they just you can tell that they are transformed and they are on fire, and they they want to make a positive difference, and they are making a positive difference. Um, I know that, like in the. Um, you know, one of the transition homes that we support, you know, they 
they're doing they're making honey and they're selling it in local markets and they're you know also you know serving others or cleaning up their community um, and they're not they're doing it in a way that says you know we're here to help we're trying to be helpful um, we don't you know want special consideration but we want to be part of the community and so I've seen a lot of guys who are you know like I say you know they've reclaimed their lives with Christ in it and uh, they have a renewed purpose of okay this is what I was made for I was made for this kind of future this positive this loving kind of way of living well I'm like I said I'm excited to be able to be a part of offering that to uh, the populations at two of those institutions here in Idaho, we're excited about that. I know that my life, uh, my life changed when I went to inc- through uh, incarceration, and I had to do seven years. And I know that God put me in that situation so that my heart would be changed. And I know that's that's why I do what I do now going forward. But it's uh, I want everybody else to have sort of that experience. I, I was a part of a faith-based program at Max that actually changed my life, but. This looks like an easier path for people to take that they can choose to get involved with and they can see because, to be very honest with you, that's where that's the only way people are going to come out of incarceration is through a relationship with Jesus Christ and working in that direction. Life will be so much easier, such so much more um, beneficial to you and to the your life going forward if you can develop that relationship. Yeah. So Sometimes I'm excited about it. And I'm excited that you guys are helping us get going. It's kind of... Finally, we're going to make this work. <laughs> yes, uh, that's finally. Sometimes we make life more complicated than it needs to be. Yeah, that was, you know, it's not supposed to be easy. I know that, but it isn't <laughs> necessarily supposed to be this difficult either. So, uh, Dave, I thank you so much for coming in today and sharing with us. And we'll keep you posted on how things go. And hopefully, in the next trip back, we'll be able to show you classes and all kinds of stuff. And you'll fresh off seeing faces who have changed their lives. I would look forward to that. Thank you. That'd be great. Thank you. Jesus, there's victory. All the chains that were holding me kept me locked in captivity. Have been broken by grace so free. When He poured out His cleansing blood, motivated by His great love, give me faith I need to rise above and sing a song of how I've overcome. I've got victory over sin, bringing peace to the fight within. Give me strength, I need to start again. I've got victory over sin. Okay, we want to thank Dave for coming in today. Uh, again, he's the, they have been very patient putting up with us as we've kind of ever all of us have suffered through this covid kind of thing and if you need information about his program or our program or you want to help in any way we're easy to reach you can reach out to us at www.systemicchangeofid.com we can actually send me an email at systemicchangeofidaho at gmail.com we're on facebook systemic change of id we're on instagram systemic change of id heck you can even call us on the phone if you want to at area code 208 477 1006. Look forward to talking to you next Saturday afternoon on Victory Over Sin.